Hello and welcome to Journey Church North County. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at journeynorthcounty.org. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. So we're here in week three of our Mastermind series. This is where we're taking the book of Romans and we're going through kind of the book in six weeks. Uh, and so we're hitting different parts, but we call it mastermind because we say that if you master your, your thought life, the way you think is the way you act and react to things. And so if, if you have faith that God can kind of take over the way you think and the way you act, then like your life will be completely different. Now, faith is a, is a funny thing because being a, a Christian or a Jesus follower actually doesn't mean that you have a lot of faith. And if you're not, it actually means that sometimes you do have faith. Like some of you have come in this morning and maybe you feel far from God or you just haven't really connected with God in a real way in a long time. You feel that this morning. And if that's you, you had enough faith to walk in the room this morning and say, okay, I'm gonna try out church. I'm gonna give this thing a shot. I have faith that, that God can do something that maybe I can't do for myself. In fact, that's the definition of faith, that we believe that faith is things that God can do for us that we're not capable of doing for ourselves. And so we go to God and we believe that he can do things. So you may be in the room this morning and you actually may have more faith than some of us who have been a Jesus follower or a Christian for a long time. Because sometimes we get numb or we get dull to this whole thing and we forget that God is life-sustaining everyday grace and mercy that we are desperate for. And we forget that. We forget that days without Jesus our days without faith, our days without power. But when we take a little bit of time to either pray in the morning or open up our Bible or just talk to God at some point, we get power and joy that is unexplainable. And so faith is that. Faith is believing that God can do things that we can't do for ourselves. So we've hit this part in Romans. Actually, we're going to cover uh, Romans chapter 10 and 11. And this one is it's a little tricky because to understand chapters 10 and 11, you have to understand a little bit about history, about the history of kind of where this stuff comes from. Who in this room likes history? Does anybody like history? All right, most of you, that's good. I love history. Um, and so it really fascinates me, history. But I think even more, I like the stuff in history, like that you read in the history books when you were a kid, that is completely wrong. <laughs> like they say that and we believe it, but then we figured out actually that's not exactly what happened. So we all know Ben Franklin, and you may know about his famous experiment where he took a kite and he tied a key to the kite. So he took a kite, he flew the kite up in the air, there was a key tied to the end, and he was trying to discover electricity. But the truth is, electricity was actually well known already in his day. People knew electricity existed, they just didn't know a whole lot about it. So Ben Franklin has this idea where he's going to take a kite, he's going to fly it in the middle of a lightning and thunderstorm, he's going to tie a key to it, lightning will hit that kite, hit that key, and, and that will help him to process how electricity moves. So he does that, except for most people believe now that that never, ever even happened. The reason we think it happened is because he had a friend who years later said that this is the story of Ben Franklin and how he discovered electricity. But as we studied it, we've realized that, honestly, if he would have really done this, he would probably be chicken fried Franklin. 
because there's no way he would have survived something like that. So actually, yeah, he, in different ways, he did discover electricity, but did he really fly a kite with a key on it? Probably not. There's another guy named Isaac Newton. You've probably heard of him. He was just randomly sitting under a tree one day and uh, hanging out, maybe talking to his friends, and he felt a thud on his head where an apple hit him, and he hit, boom, oh, gravity, right? We, we know about the story about how uh, an apple fell, hit him in the head, and, oh, gravity must exist because some kind of force pulled that apple down, hit me on the head, and therefore there's gravity because that apple could have flown off in the air or gone left or gone right, but instead it got pulled down from something in the earth. Must be gravity, Except for, we find out later, that was a story that was completely made up. He did have apple trees, and he did see apples fall down, but he was actually never hit in the head by an apple. But it was a really good story, because it's kind of fun to think about somebody getting hit in the head, like a cartoon, and be like, oh, Eureka, that must be it, gravity. It actually never happened, though. Here's another one, is, is Napoleon. You know about Napoleon, mostly, you know he was a conqueror, but you know that he was short, right? Like he was, in fact, he was five feet, two inches, Five feet two. He was a small guy. And so you've probably heard of something called a Napoleon complex. Napoleon complex means that you, uh, you know you're, you're, you're sure and you kind of are, are worried about that. You have fears of, of those kind of things, a Napoleon complex. Uh, except for Napoleon actually wasn't that short. See, we messed up because we thought he was five foot two, but that was a French foot, which is a different measurement than an English foot. And so, five foot two was actually more like five foot seven, five foot eight, which was the average size of a French man during that time. Napoleon was completely average. He wasn't small at all. He was about the same size as other guys who would have been surrounding him at the time. He wasn't short. But our whole lives, we believe that Napoleon was this short, little conqueror guy because we like to tell stories about kind of the little guy who could, right? Like how you can, you can come from, it doesn't matter what you're born with or if you're smaller, if you're the little guy, you can defeat the big guy. But the whole story is actually made up. He wasn't that short. Here's the last one. Is anytime we've seen uh, cartoons or movies about Vikings, you see them conquering with these helmets on. And what do you always see on a Viking helmet? Horns right? There's always horns on the side of these Viking helmets, except for real Vikings didn't wear helmets with horns at all. That's actually made up from a guy who wrote an opera in the 1800s, and he said, oh, it would be really cool. They would look dangerous. They would look scary if we added horns to the side of these helmets. And so all Vikings that have these horns inside of these helmets, they actually never use them in war. In fact, we know Vikings as people who are on ships and traveling to different foreign lands. But actually, they spent a lot of time when they got off the water on land in wooded areas. Had they had these horns, you would see a bunch of Viking warriors tangled up in trees. Because it would have made no sense whatsoever to have these in these heavily wooded areas that they travel through to have big horns sticking out of their helmets. History isn't always what we think it is. We're told stories, and that's kind of how history happens, right? One story is told, and then it gets passed along to someone else who passes it along and passes it along. Sometimes the stories say the same, but sometimes they get a little changed up. They get a little bit different. The amazing thing about the Bible is it's a story of God's love and the faith of people, and it's woven through multiple stories, but with one unified concept. 
And so we kind of have to understand a little bit what was going on when we hear Romans chapter 10 and 11, what was happening kind of in the background to lead up to this about how this history really existed. So the Bible's a story of God's love throughout history. It was meant to be read as a full story. Here's what they would do, is they would take out these giant scrolls that would be the books of the Bible or a letter that was written from Paul, whatever that would be, they would take it out and they would read it together under candlelight as one unique story, not broken up like we do it, right? Like So if you've been to a journey service ever before or really most any church service, you'll hear us quote a verse, right? So it's chapter Philippians 2, chapter 6, right? Um, chapter 2, verse 6. And so that will tell you where to go in your Bible. So you can find that spot really easy. I mean, think about it. It would be hard if I had to say, okay, we're going to open up the scroll of Psalms, and I want you to find like the 35th page line somewhere that starts with there are. That would be a lot harder to find. And so what happened is in 1493, the Gutenberg Press was invented. You guys probably know about that as well. It was a press that changed the way that we printed books. We can now print and copy books multiple ways, a lot faster than before that, handwriting everything out. And so we had the Gutenberg Press that all of a sudden sent Bibles everywhere. And as they did that, they realized they needed the the references. So they added chapters in the mid-1500s and verses. So now we in our Bibles, we have chapters and verses from the mid-1500s. But before that, here's what happened, is they would sit by candlelight with a scroll, they would open it up, and they would read one complete story at a time, because it was the way it was supposed to be read. That's important, because sometimes what happens is we take a verse, or we take a chapter out, because it's divided up that way, and we make it sound like this is what it means, and it really doesn't at all. We've completely pulled it out of context because it was supposed to be written as one story. It's amazing because this is a story of God's love in our faith. And over and over again, we see these repeated things that God loves us so much that he did everything. He sacrificed his son for us. And before that, we see how God reacts with his people, the Jewish people, his chosen people. And then this guy named Jesus comes and he dies on a cross. And after that, everything is different. Everything changes. Context is really important. So let me back you up just a little bit in kind of the history of the Bible so you know where we're coming from. In Genesis 3, there's this thing called the fall. It's a fall. So the fall simply means that that there's Adam and Eve and they're in the garden and everything's perfect. Everything's great until this whole apple thing comes up. And then Eve takes the apple, she gives it to Adam, they disobey God, they get kicked out of the Garden of Eden, it's the fall. Ever since then, we've been born like with a sin nature. Have you ever noticed, if you have a, I have a three-year-old, if you have a two, three, or four-year-old child, they're just selfish, right? I mean, there's no way to get around it. They want their stuff, right? You hear a lot of mine or me. I know it's not my my son only, right? Like, it's got to be your son too, right? But you hear a lot of like, give me, I want, my toy, all those things. We were were born with this sin nature. We didn't just learn to say that. Like, they were born with it. They were born being selfish. Now, some of us are still very selfish. (laughs) We haven't really grown out of it yet. But we were born with that. We 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 were born selfish. So they had this sin nature. But then something else happened later on in the Bible. It's called the blessing. So we just had the fall. Now we're talking about the blessing. There's this guy named Abraham. 
Abraham is really important because his name originally was Abram, which means the father, the father. But then he gets his name changed to Abraham, which means the father of nations. He gets blessed by God, and God says, I'm going to make so many nations that are going to come after you. You're going to have sons and sons and sons that are going to have sons and sons and sons, and there are going to be tribes and nations that are directly from you. It was a miracle at the time because he had a wife who was getting older, and she couldn't have children, or so she thought. God blessed her. She had children. And through that, nations are born. And so Abraham has a son named Jacob. I'm sorry, Abraham has a son named Isaac. Isaac has a son named Jacob. Jacob gets another name that you probably know really well. His name is Israel, where the whole nation of Israel comes from. From this guy, Abraham, then Isaac, and then Jacob, who gets his other name, Israel. The whole nation of Israel, the whole history of the Jewish people come through these guys. And then, and then here's what happens with, with the Jewish people. We're going to jump into Romans, I promise, but you've got to understand what's going on here. Here's what happens with the Jewish people. They kind of have this agreement with God. They're like God's chosen people. So they have this agreement where they say, okay, if you do good, you get blessed. If you do bad, you're going to, bad stuff's going to happen to you. All right? You do good, you'll get blessed. You do bad, bad stuff's coming. And so they had this agreement. And so they would do good for a while. They would do good. So if you read the Old Testament, it's like this back and forth story about how good Jewish people, bad Jewish people, good Jewish people, bad Jewish people. And then when they're bad, they have to do these things called sacrifices. So they would find the cleanest animals they could, like a lamb, and they would bring that to sacrifice because that was the only way to atone for the bad stuff they had done was you had to kill a pure, clean animal. You had to bring that. And so that was their way to say, okay, now we're forgiven because we brought this clean animal to be sacrificed. And so they would go back and forth and back and forth and do this over and over and over again. The Israel's life was completely cause and effect. But then something amazing happens. This guy named Jesus comes. Now, if you read the Old Testament, they talk about this guy called the Messiah, no one knew exactly who that was going to be. People had guesses. In fact, a, a guy named John the Baptist comes along, and they think this could be the guy, but they were wrong. But th then the Messiah, who ends up being this guy named Jesus, is called the Lamb of God. Now, that may mean a little bit to us, but it was huge to them because they knew exactly what that meant. That meant that the same kind of animal, the same lamb that they used to bring to the altar to sacrifice, the same thing they would bring every time. Wait a minute, God, that's your son? Your son is now called the lamb of God? So God's son, the lamb of God, the Messiah, comes and he dies. Everything changes at that point. In fact, the temple is ripped open. Jesus comes. He lives on the earth. He was born of a virgin. He dies. He rises again. He goes back up to heaven. And then everything's different. Because that one death, that one spotless, perfect lamb death, means that now when you mess up, right? You may have come in this morning, you're like, man, my life is messed up, my relationships, my finances. 
my job. I'm not doing what I want to do. Life is just messed up right now. And you may feel really, really, really far from God. Here's what would have happened back then is it, you come in here, we, maybe we had the temple together, we're, we're, we're talking together and you messed up. You would have to come and you have to bring animals. We have to kill them and sacrifice them and burn them. And, and then you would be forgiven. The priest would have to say, yeah, that's good. That's okay. You're good to go. It's not like that anymore. The best thing about God's relationship with you, and as we get into Romans here, the best thing about it is that because Jesus died, that you can mess up and mess up and mess up. But Jesus brought in this thing called grace. And grace simply means this. Grace is the undeserved favor of God. So faith, remember faith? Faith means that God can do things that you can't do for yourself. So when we have faith, believing that God can do things that we can't do, God gives us his grace over and over again, which is undeserved favor of God. We get his grace. The spotless lamb died so that we can go to him and we can mess up for years and years and years and feel super far from God and feel like there's no way that God could love me or want me anymore. And God says, I don't care. You can come right back to me. You can come back to me right now today. Jesus died for the sins you already did. He died for the sins you're going to do today. He died for the sins you're going to do tomorrow. It doesn't mean grace is cheap or it's free. In fact, it was the most expensive thing that ever happened. Because God had to send his son to die for it. But it does mean that when you go to them, he's there. I've used an example before of, of sometimes when we feel like we're running from God or we're separated from him or we just had a really bad week. Sometimes we feel like we've run so far away, that there's no way. It's going to take me equal time to catch up. So if you've been separated from God for 10 years, you're like, I've been running away for 10 years and I'm far away from God. It's going to take me 10 years to get back. That's not how it works. It's an example of running on a treadmill. Maybe you've been running for 10 years or you've been separated for 10 years, but you've been running on a treadmill and the second you turn around, God's waiting for you. He's right there. He hasn't left. He hasn't gone anywhere. And guess what? You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Because one death paid for it all. So it's important as we get into this part of Romans to understand that, that you're Jewish people, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, right? Sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Jesus comes, dies for everyone, one time, changes everything. We can go to God now and everything is different. We have to know that history. So here we're going to jump in to Romans chapter nine, chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Our, uh, if you're new with us, you're just following us, we have uh, on the Bible app, you download an app called the Bible app, and all of our notes are on there every single week. So you can follow on, you can save your notes for later, all that good stuff. Of course, you can have your Bible open, and we'll have all the stuff on the screen for you as well. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Now, here, here's the big part of that. The first part of that verse says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's a part of the Bible you can read through and just like be done with it really quick, but it's huge because when you say the words, Jesus is Lord, it means that you're not. 
I don't know if you know how hard that is to say that you're not in control of everything that happens in your life. That bad stuff will come, right? Bad stuff will happen in your life and you're not in control of it. Sometimes bad people will do bad things to you. But Jesus is Lord. It means that when you give him control, you confess to your mouth, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. I'm giving up all the things that I thought I wanted because I know that you have a plan that's bigger and better for me. See, what happens normally, and again, this doesn't matter if you've been a a Jesus follower for 20 years or if you started today. Here's what happens is along the line, because we're we're born with a selfish nature, we return to our selfishness. And we say, okay, thanks, God. Life is good now. I'm going to take control. I'm going to do my own thing. And then something happens in our life, kind of like the original Israelites, and we have to go back and say, God, I'm sorry, I messed up. But when you say Jesus is Lord, you're saying, God, you are Lord of my life. You run my life. Every day is yours. It's not mine anymore. So the Jewish people would would have all these rules, all these spiritual practices. In fact, Moses wrote hundreds of laws. We know the most famous laws, the Ten Commandments, those ten laws, but actually there were hundreds of laws that the Israelites would have to follow. That was how it worked. You follow the rules, you get blessed. We still have certain rules we've kind of put in ourselves, like it's a good idea to read the Bible. It's a good idea maybe to pray in your life. We have certain rules that we live by as, as like American Christians, right? But here's the deal is that spiritual practices won't save you, but they can't help sustain you. My days are completely different the days I open the Bible versus the days that I don't. My days are completely different the days that I, I go to God in the morning in prayer and say, God, I need you to do something in my life. There is power in prayer because prayer is saying, God, you know more than I do. You have this thing figured out better than I do. You can do things I can't do. Jesus, you're Lord and I'm not, and, and I'm sorry where I try to take control of my own life. I'm sorry for my selfishness. So these spiritual practices, these kind of these rules for Christianity, they're not going to save you. They have no saving power. But day to day, they can't sustain you. So you say it and you believe it. The whole Bible can be summed up in two words, love and faith. God's love for the Israelites and then later on his love for us. And then the faith that we believe that God can do what we can't do. If we we left today and you could just believe in your life, Forget how long you've been a Christian. I promise you that doesn't matter. If you could leave here today and just believe in your life, that God has a plan for your life, regardless if you've ever believed that before or not, God has a plan for you, and you can't mess up enough to get God not to love you anymore. He loves you through your messiness. And here's what happens. Eventually, you're going to take a turn where you've messed up, you allow God to use you to be the Lord of your life, and he turns your mess into your message so that the things that are messed up in your life becomes the things that you can help other people with because of what God does in your life directly. So last week, uh, we had a spe- like this week we did child dedications. Last week, we had a special week too. We did these things called baptism. So if you're new to baptism, here's what it is. Baptism is simply your, your declaration that that Jesus is the Lord of your life, kind of what we're reading right now, that Jesus is Lord, that when you go under the water, 
Uh, you're saying that like, hey, my old life is gone, it's past, it's behind me, and my new life is here when you come up. Now, when people come out of the water, it's not magic, right? You don't come out of the water and like, okay, we're good now, everything's good. We live in a fallen world where bad things happen, where we are surrounded by people who want to hurt us and bad people, and bad things are going to happen. It's just true. But the difference is, what do you have control of? Are you going to surrender your day, surrender your life to God? Because that will make all the difference in the world. If you've been running and running and running from God, today is the day where God says, okay, you can turn around. You've been running on a treadmill. You don't, you're not as far away from God as you think you are. He's still right there with you. So we just want to show you, if you weren't here last week, we just want to show you a quick video of uh, some of the baptisms that we did last week. If you're new here with us, we, uh, we named the church Journey Church because we said that no matter where you're on your journey, we'll meet you in that spot because we believe that Jesus changes lives. Not only do we believe it, but we've seen it happen over and over again. We, our church is a little over a year old, and, and we're, uh, we're still figuring out a lot of things. Uh, we, we, we don't have everything together and we're not, uh, we're, we're not like fully grown yet. We're like the toddler church who's like just trying to figure out stuff still. But we know this. We know that Jesus changes lives and we get to be a part of it. It's one of the most amazing things that, that we get to do is that you know that, that Jesus could, could save people and change lives and it have nothing to do with us. He could do it because he's God. But we get to be part of that. We get to be part of life change. We get to be part of the story. Romans chapter 10 verse 14 says this, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We're not on the sidelines. We get to be a part of this, this love story that was written in history from the fall in Genesis to the blessing of Abraham to the Israelites and the, the judges 
and the 12 tribes that came after that to Jesus coming and dying and the apostles and the Pentecost and the church that happened 2,000 years ago that still happens today and meets every week, we get to be part of history. It's a love story that's been written throughout time, throughout history, and we get to be a part of it. Not because God has to, but he, because he chooses for us to be a part of it. As we read that verse, like it says words like, like they won't hear unless we preach to them. And so we call like this position like pastor or preacher. But you have to understand like that's our calling. That's not my calling. Our calling is to let people know that this life-changing thing that happened, it happened to me, and I got to tell you about it as well. We got to keep spreading that in our community in Oceanside and Carlsbad and North County. It's why Journey Church exists. We were never supposed to be a group of people who just get together, sit here on Sunday, go home, feel good, and come back next week to feel good again. That's not the life we were intended to have. It was supposed to be with power. And that's how we get that, is, is being with Jesus and sharing that with others. Here's the last passage, Romans 11, verse 33. Oh, the depths of riches of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable is his judgments and his past beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Be the glory forever. Amen. Who could have planned out history in this way? Who could have set up Adam and Eve the way that he did? Who could have had the Jewish people and brought them through so many difficult times? Who could have sent his own son to die for the sins of the world? It was so awful that God couldn't even look on his son Jesus in the moment that he passed away. Only one person could have done that. And so when we get together on Sunday mornings and call this thing church, is because we honor and celebrate and worship God doing for us things that we could not ever do for ourselves. It's called faith. So the verse says that it's from him. He was there. And in fact, in, in Genesis, it talks about how the spirit of God hovered over the waters. It was from him from the beginning. It's through him. We can't do anything to save ourselves. But here's the best part is we also can't, run away far enough. We can't mess up hard enough. God loves us through it all. And it's to him. Every day we find our joy and our fulfillment in God. Not because it's spiritual practice, not because it's ritual. We don't live in the Old Testament times. We live in a new time, a new covenant, a new Testament where Jesus died and we get to celebrate and live in that. Because he died for the sins of the world. Yes, even the ones you're going to do tomorrow. You're simply on a treadmill. You need to stop it and turn around and say, okay, God, I'm here. I have faith that you can do for me what I can't do for myself. And the last part of that is glory forever. When we start to understand the greatness of God, we worship him even more passionately. See, we, we sing songs on Sunday morning, and, and, and it's kind of the same setup. Most mornings we'll usually sing three songs at the beginning. I'll give a message, and then we'll sing a song at the end. But it's so much more than that because when we understand how good God is, how much he loves us and cares for us even when we try to get away from him, how much that means we worship him passionately because it's to him, it's through him, 
and it's for him. So what we're going to do is we're going to sing one more song. And you just take this time, however you want to worship God. If you want to just stand up and worship and raise your hands, you can do that. If you, want to, if you want to sit there in your seat and worship, you can do that too. However you want to worship God right now. But here's the truth, no matter what, is he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy. He's shown us love throughout our entire history. And he's still working today, and we get to be a part of it. If you haven't done this for a long time or if you feel far from God, you just need to stop that treadmill and turn around. He's still right there. He can work in your heart. He can work in your life today. We serve a life-changing God. We're going to see Thank you for enjoying the message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at journeynorthcounty.org. Thank you once again for being part of our family, and we'll see you next time.